But if you don't walk the talk, if you're not really ready to put your hand on the plate and say, okay, I go all in on this because we believe in the young players, then, then it's going to sound hollow uh, in the things. And then it's about creating uh, the environments. And Edo, welcome to a special edition of the No Choftes podcast. And thanks to this podcast, we're the fourth in Cyprus in the iTunes chart. Bomba. Edo, I'm your host, Edo, as usual, and I've got Roy again with me. Elare. Hello, hello, guys. Hi, Stel. How are you? Um, okay, it's been a couple of weeks since we last did a podcast, mate. I've missed you. Yeah. Oh, Let me miss us here, man. Sweet, man. Not so sweet. <laughs> my, my wife begs to differ. It's like, oh, you, all you do is talk to Stel about the <laughs> Oh, no, I'm going to get you divorced. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I didn't mean it, I promise. Uh, like, well, at least you had the shave, which is good. You're less stressed. Yeah. Last time we spoke, we did a transfer review and it was brilliant. But I tell you what, we have got another incredible guest, a gentleman who basically laid out the blueprint, I'd say, for the future of this club from, from, a, from a youth development perspective. It's Jesper Fredberg. Jesper, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, mate. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. And thanks for having me again. Yes, it's the second time you and I have spoken. We did it on Shoot the Defence, but this is primarily on Monia. So I think we're going to get right down to it, aren't we, with this one? It's going to be, a, it's going to be extra interesting. Let's dive into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, congratulations on, on your club's promotion, I believe. You got promoted to the... Yeah, thanks league. a lot. Yeah? Yeah. And that's, what was it, your second full season? Or is it your first full season? Second, right? second season. Second season. Look at that. This, yeah. guy, this guy, he's like got the Midas touch. Everything he touches turns to gold. Look at this. <laughs> Maybe I should start touching something that could actually be gold then. <laughs> <laughs> you can start going around just touching things now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, it's been, a, it's been a good season. So um, we have to uh, remember to enjoy the, the wins, uh, the, the fortune also, because in football sometimes it goes fast uh, the other way also. So uh, when you achieve something, it's also important sometimes just to stop up and, uh, and remember to enjoy it. Uh, it's a black and white world we live in. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? It's such a competitive league, the Danish league. You've got Nordschland, you've got uh, Bronby, Midtjylland, uh, Copenhagen. Do, do you fancy your, your chances of staying up or even moving up the mid-table? We, we were not the favourites to, to go up uh, this season either. And, uh, we will definitely be the favourites to go down again. But um, yeah, it's only impossible uh, until it's not anymore. Uh, and I actually believe a lot in, uh, in, in trying to, to create those high-performance teams where you can get more out of less. Mm. Uh, so, so we look forward to this season and, and are aiming to achieve something instead of uh, avoiding something. Brilliant. Well, look, as I said before, you laid the groundwork to this club's development uh, from a youth perspective. And the first thing I, I guess I have to ask you is, I'm sure you've been asked this several times, but how did you find out about Omonia? How Who approached you for the role? And what did you what did you see when you first joined the club? Because I, I can write, guess round about what you saw, but um, yeah. Spill the beans, as we say in England. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's really dive into it. Um, yeah, but I was uh, I was quite fortunate to be uh, a head coach quite early in my career, uh, and uh, after that, I took my UEFA Pro license, uh, and I wrote about creating high performance football teams, but also outside the football. What did it take to achieve uh, something? Uh, and that paper was uh, brought up in the UEFA uh, at an MIB uh, course, and, and that course, uh, Nikos uh, Dabisas was uh, participating uh, on that part. And uh, there was also a Danish uh, former uh, national player participating. And uh, he asked uh, him about me and uh, they were looking for a technical director. What could they, uh, what could I come with if it was? Uh, yeah, and then suddenly Nikos called me up 
uh, never met him before, never talked with him, uh, but invited me to London uh, to have a chat uh, about coming into Ammonia and, uh, and helping him uh, try and lay the strategy for the club uh, and also for the talent development uh, because, yeah, I didn't know anything about Ammonia at that time, but uh, Davis has told me also that there was a huge potential uh, if we could, uh, could build it up properly. Uh, so I went over and took the talk and it sounded interesting and uh, yeah, before I knew it, I was... Uh, signing a contract and, and, and coming down to Cyprus with the family. And uh, I, I still look back at it at some of the best decisions I made in, in my career. Um, and then I went down to uh, a club uh, I didn't know anything about, but found out that, uh, yeah, what a club, uh, what a passion, uh, what a, an atmosphere there is about it. Uh, from uh, small kids to uh, to grandparents, uh, that, that, that has that, that green heart beating for them and everything they do and yeah being part of something that means so much for people that's a privilege and that's something you need to remember to uh, to acknowledge and also be humble about because uh, not many get the chance to do that so I, I came down to a club with a, a massive potential uh, and with a huge uh, and, and admirable fan base uh, and interest about it so that was a that was an interesting start for me and uh, as far as I'm aware your first day you gave a phenomenal presentation something that the coaches and the staff had never seen before at the club because they weren't used to that kind of meticulous uh, attention to detail. Um, what was given that presentation like and what was the general feedback, if you remember? Oh, it's, it's many years ago now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, but for, me it was, uh, for me, it's important that when you come down to, uh, yeah, to a different environment in another country, it is that you also respect uh, the culture. Uh, of course, there are things that you want to change and come in with your ideas uh, and beliefs, but it's also important that you do it in respect uh, for what's already there. Uh, I was quite fortunate to uh, to have uh, uh, Andreas uh, Miliotis next to me. Uh, he was my right hand when I was there, and he was a, a top guy. So that also made the integration for me easier. But it was about making a presentation about... Uh, making a, a style of play for the club. Uh, I also made that with Nikos uh, for the first team, tried to implement that. So we had a, a, a common idea about what it was that we wanted. Uh, lay down a strategy to say, okay, what is the pathway from our talents all the way up to the to the first team? How do we do that? What does that put of demands for the coaches, uh, for the training environment? Um, how do we start evaluating each other and uh, going from uh, my teams to our teams instead uh, being an under-16, 17 coach doesn't mean that uh, it's all about winning every weekend. But it is about uh, giving those uh, 15 years old a chance to develop the best way. So, yeah, Aloisio and uh, Junis and Andronikos and Tarambos, those guys can be brought up and, and make a pathway for them. Uh, that was by far the most important thing for me. So, so that presentation was more about yeah, figuring out if people were interested in being part of that journey we were about to launch. Uh, I think I, rem I remember something about saying that... Uh, we are, we, are, we are setting the ship uh, down now and we are, we are putting a course for that. And everybody that wants to be part of the jumper board now, but if you don't want to be part of it, then now is also the time to, to exit the boat because we, we need everybody to, uh, to pull in the same direction uh, if we want to succeed with the things. Well, it seems that everyone jumped on board, really. Um, and as you can tell, as you mentioned, the players have, have developed and they've, a lot of them have become international players, which is absolutely incredible. But... In terms of this presentation, in terms of this philosophy, uh, Jesper, what would you say were the key elements that you felt had to go right? Otherwise, nothing would have worked. Uh, for me, the most important thing was that we uh, control it from the top. 
um, when you come in uh, as a new guy and uh, and in a, in, a, in such a big club as Omonia was, uh, I was only getting a grasp of it when I started uh, to, to see how big it was. But the, the bigger it was, the the, the more uh, strong the potential was also in it to to create something unique. But but if you want to build something to last, uh, something that 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 doesn't rock uh, when the guy leaves the boat, then it's important that you take control of it from the top uh, and start uh, educating the coaches, making the strategy and the pathway for them. So you have more ambassadors in the club working in the same direction because um, we had a lot of good coaches in Omonia uh, and all of them were really passionate. But the, sometimes the challenge is that even though you're really talented, that you have an extremely passion about it, then you can still work in 15 different directions. Um, so for me, it was more getting everybody aligned, understanding what kind of direction I wanted us to walk in, what was important for us in our evaluation. Uh, it wasn't the most important thing for me that we won every weekend. Of course, I wanted to win. But for me, the most important thing was for us to to clear, to make a clear pathway from our coaches, but also for the best players so we could so we could see that there was a pathway for them to the first team. Um, so, so for me, that was uh, about getting people on board uh, and understanding the strategy about how we wanted to play football. Uh, because then it was also easier for us to evaluate, not just from me to the coaches, but also the coaches internally, that they could begin and take responsibility and, and, and speaking the same language. Um, that was important for me. Fantastic, mate. Well, one more quick question for me before I pass you over to Roy. Um, you, you hear about clubs like Ajax, for example, who have got a, the same philosophy right the way from grassroots to first team. Now, was it this? Was it a similar sort of thing with you in the sense that you wanted that philosophy to be implemented from grassroots at Ammonia, under twelves, uh, you know, under twenty ones, etc., etc., right the way through to through to the first team? Yeah, actually, not uh, not as uh, as radical as it is in Ajax uh, because that takes a lot of uh, a lot of manpower on it. Oh yes, but but uh, <laughs> but. But the steps, we were actually beginning to integrate that. We also brought in a guy responsible for the under five to under 12. Rasmus, uh, in order to Yeah, exactly, Rasmus. And, and that was actually to break down our 11v11 to say, okay, how is that 7v7 or 8v8, 5v5? How do we take our main principles in the senior team that everything was, was being brought out from and then break it down to pieces? So when you're an under five player, you would only take one little piece of the puzzle. But when you came up to the first team, then all the pieces actually created a really, really nice uh, puzzle. So for us, it was about breaking it down so it makes sense for all of them. Not talking about the tactical things, but breaking down all the technical, mentally things. What does it take for them to take the next step so they can succeed at the under-13, at the under-15, at the under-17? What happened when we took them up to the first team and they trained with our best players? Did, did they understand the drills? Because then the drills wasn't changing that much. So creating an, an environment where when they came up, they had to be on their toes to be with our A team. But if it's also new drills and new way of speaking and new way of directing on, then it's really, really difficult to, to come in as a young player. But if you could take some of those things away and say, ah, that's familiar. I actually know that drill. It's just faster now. I know what he's talking about. The coach is saying the same words that we are using at the academy, but that's also more familiar. Then you're creating or you are, you're taking away some of the barriers that could potentially make it a little bit more difficult for them to succeed. And that was the mindset we were trying to yeah, to integrate all the way from our first team down to yeah, to the under five so in Ibasol and in Lanaga. So it wasn't repetition. It was mostly just building on what you already know, but using it in a more creative way. Yeah. Being extremely detailed about it and clear uh, about what it was that we expected uh, from the players. 
uh, we didn't have to tell them that this drill is because we want you to play with your back and uh, have a third one. We just made the drill and then they knew it. And then we could tell them when they were 17. Now, now you get it. Now you're starting to put the puzzles uh, between. But it was about yeah, putting as many tools in their backpack as possible for them uh, to get older and, and succeed at the first team. Fantastic, man. Absolutely brilliant. Roy. Yeah, actually, uh, I was listening to the conversation uh, with a lot of interest because uh, some of my questions were were sort of answered in this introduction and the uh, discussion you had. It's, it's a short interview then. <laughs> <laughs> you got bed soon. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, um, uh, when you came to Cyprus, I mean, you, you, you're still young, so maybe you haven't worked in so many countries. I was going to ask you to compare... The 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 le- the level uh, here in Cyprus. I I personally believe that uh, Cypriots have talent, but they they lack in the mentality. Maybe it's uh, tactically. The uh, which parts do you think were were the weakest in Cyprus? Because here in Cyprus also uh, there's a lot of pressure from the family for the kids to become doctors, lawyers, uh, accountants. And when it's closer to the time where they can consider becoming professional, they have that pressure from the family as well. And sometimes their mind is not concentrated because obviously they can't make a living out of football because there's thousands of kids in all different uh, academies and, and ages, but we only see a few becoming professional in the end. So my question to you is, in comparison to other countries, how are Cypriots different to, you know, maybe kids you work with from, from a different country? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And that was also one of the things that, uh, that, that I found out by myself also after having a chance to work with them. I think, uh, to start with some of the positive things, I think that technically, uh, the technical level was... Uh, just as good as the young players in Germany, in Denmark, and Belgium uh, that I work with also. Um, that They are top talents at that part. I think the part where we lose it is was more at the organization. It was in the management of the clubs. It was with the strategy about uh, having a clear philosophy about what it is that you actually, that you actually wanted to bring in the young players. Because uh, yeah, in Cyprus and also in other countries, it was more about uh, having success with the first team. So you put all the money in buying the the players for the A team, but it was not a lot of clubs that actually started investing in the future, uh, investing in the young players to create an environment where they tactically were ready to participate, where they mentally uh, had an environment where we could prepare them and, and make them ready for what was supposed to uh, to overcome them in a couple of years. Uh, so for me, it was uh, by, by far the mindset uh, in the professional clubs down there to take a responsibility and say, okay, this is crucial for us in order to, uh, to to create a pathway for young players because uh, when they were 15 years old, uh, my guess was that uh, they could probably play uh, equally up with uh, Denmark and Germany and the other clubs at the national teams. But the challenge is 17, 19, uh, then they lose uh, and they don't lose on the technical skills, but they lose on the tactical and the mental skills uh, and they lose because they're not part of a professional environment like the like, like the kids are in uh, in the other countries, I think that's the biggest. Uh, I think that's the biggest difference uh, in the things. 
uh, for the young players compared to yeah the competitors in in other countries. That is that the the top clubs they they need to take a, a stronger responsibility in order to to protect them. Okay, so when I when I when I hear now it's the right time you're going to hear this from all the clubs in Cyprus. I mean, other than the targets they set, which have to do with the the position they're going to rank in the league. Well, for example, I'll talk about Omonia. They want the, the the championship. They want the cup. They want the to go in Europe. But they always say that they want to uh, bring up kids from the academy to play. And that's something all the teams will say at the pre- pre-season. But when the season starts, they don't trust the youngsters. Why do you think is that? I mean, okay, you said earlier that they they pump in the money for the A team and they want to bring the results. But additionally, you said that a Cypriot talent uh, has nothing to be jealous of in comparison. For and I'll give an example for if if Loizo's name was Loizao and he was from Portugal, or uh, Johnny's was Johnic from Serbia, people would go. But at the same time, or Capulino from Brazil, you know. <laughs> you know, it's it's no, it's funny, but like uh, it's funny because it's true. Are we strict on our talent? On the one hand, we, we, we'd like to see kids from our academy playing the first team. I mean, for me as an Omonia fan who grew up, I remember back in the 80s when I used to go to the Macario Stadio, and before the, the first team played in the same pitch. The under 21s used to play. So you would see, you would know the under 21s. You call them by the, they, they were your friends. They were your mates from the neighborhood. Uh, you had a relationship to them. Yeah. And, and now when I saw Loizo and Kaku and all these youngsters, when we won the championship, they, they were singing, the, they knew all the songs that the ultras were singing. You feel them like the one of yours, but at the same time, you strict, you're very strict with them. It's as if, ah, you know, just bring in someone else. And that's, that's a mentality that um, doesn't help them grow. For example, in Omonia, the last talent that played was Stathis Aloneftis almost 20 years ago. And for a team like Omonia, it's unacceptable. It, yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy because there are so many good players down there. And I think I'm going back to again to say that it is mentality, but it's also about having a clear strategy from the club side to say, listen, this is it. And then then I understand that history and, and all other things are saying, yeah, but young kids are making mistakes. Yeah, they are making mistakes. But the old players are also making mistakes. So 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 it's an easy excuse to say, ah, they don't get as lot of many um, chances as the old players are because they're more professional. I don't buy that at all. Yeah. Uh, the team I took in Denmark now, in two years, we, uh, we, we, we downgraded the average age by five years and we still got promoted. Um, we also play with a 16-year-old in the starting line and a 17-year-old that now has more than 50 games uh, at the first team uh, and the things. So if you're good enough, then you're old enough. And I think that's the challenge uh, in, in separate mentality. That is that they are looking a lot at age and if you're a homegrown player, then you don't owe them that much so it's easier to put them on the bench and when you bring in another one but for me it's it's a clear strategy from the club side uh, and, I, and I acknowledge a lot what's happening in Omonia because they're winning the championships now and they're, they're going up so uh, I'm really happy for that part but in generally with Cypriot clubs 
there are so many talents down there. Uh, but I, but I think it has to start from intern. Uh, start with the with the mindset. Start with the facilities to have something where you can create uh, and and develop them. Uh, because one thing is to say that uh, we want you to be a top professional football player and we want to bring you to Europe. But if the player can't see that pathway from where he is until the first team, then you haven't succeeded in creating a, a pathway and, and being trustworthy uh, in, in, the what you, in the things that you're talking. Uh, and, and in football, uh, you need to walk the talk. Uh, if you lie once, then the players will know it and then you lost them. Then you don't have them with their heart anymore. And uh, in, in football, you need the players to, uh, to bleed and give everything they have, not only for, for you as a coach, but also for the club uh, and the fans. So, so it is about being trustworthy. And it's also about by saying, okay, if we want the talent, then we invest in the talent, then we go all the way into it. Because for me, uh, there can be two pathways at the same time. That can be the results, but it can also be the development of the club, the strategy. Uh, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both, actually. Uh, and that's what makes football interesting. Because uh, you, have the, you have a lot of money, but you also have the clever money. Uh, the clever money always beats uh, a lot of the money. Um, that's, uh, that's very true. That's very, very true. And uh, the last years, you know, you see private academies. Like Omonia reached to a point where in Yeri, where Elias Pullos was, the training ground, yeah. it was definitely an, an Omonia, 90% was Omonia fan based. And it reached to a point where private academies in Yeri had more kids playing for them rather than Omonia at certain ages of Yeri. And uh, that's another thing that in Cyprus, there was this mentality. I'll talk about myself, which I don't consider like I, I was, I had a God gifted talent or anything. And I was also lazy. I, I, I just like to play, you know, that's what but, I- But a knee injury stopped you from playing, and not <laughs> I also oh, had an injury no. stopping me. <laughs> no, it was, it was oh, so whenever I go train, I was like, oh, I've, I've got exams. Whenever it was game day, I was like, ah, oh, I'm here. I want to play. And I was like, no, we're not having uh, that. You know? but, that time is over now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, what I was trying to say is that um, we're, not, we're, not, we're, not doing, uh, we're not doing much. And uh, my question to you is, how, how can you bring and convince these youngsters that they've got a future in this club when they see that, you know, there's hundreds, if not thousands of talents in different ages to give their all, you know, uh, especially now that football's become a lot more, you know, tactical. It's not a, it's not a game anymore. It's, you have to be an athlete you have to be focused. You have to be more disciplined. You have to take care of your or of what you eat, what time you sleep, how you exercise. You're not a kid. You're a machine. You have to be a machine. You are a professional. That's how it is. Uh, Actually, I was reading this story, uh, this interview, Redondo. They were asking Redondo. He says, you know, I don't like football anymore because it's become like a machine. And uh, actually, this coach who coaches his son, told him, you know, your dad did that, that, that dribble he did against Henningberg. You remember that still? Yeah. He did the yeah, on the touchline, not make him, yeah. Yeah, he, he told him, your, your dad made a mistake because there was a player next to him. It's like, ah, shut up, man. It was, it's a game, you know? Uh, Everything just enjoy has to it. do this. To, yeah, enjoy uh, the game. And uh, uh, that's another thing, you know? What do you do at this age to... to 
make them love the game as well because obviously you start from the grassroots and you said winning is not important. But it is important, but it's not the most it. important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Of course, How, when, when you when you are big clubs, uh, you also want to develop winners. You want to create a, a winner DNA in the players because that's also important. That's something that, that drives the players. But it has to be fun uh, at the same time. It also has to be fun at the first team. Otherwise, yeah. you, you will never get the best out of it. Uh, so, so it is also about yeah. If you if you are trying to convince a young player to uh, to join your club, and he can see that uh, there are no young players playing in the first team, no. then you're not trustworthy. So, so I think it it, it starts with pointing in uh, to yourself. When you point away, there are always three fingers pointing at yourself. Right. And I think it's um, I think it's actually really important to understand that because if you're not trustworthy in the things and it's easy to say, it doesn't cost anything to say, ah, oh, we want young players, we want our academy, that's important for us. But if you don't walk the talk, if you're not really ready to put your hand on the plate and say, okay, I go all in on this because we believe in the young players, then, then it's going to sound hollow uh, in the things. And then it's about creating uh, the environments and having the facilities uh, talking about, okay, it's, it's not football, it's not uh, a science so uh, if you have to be your best version of yourself when you go to work, I bet that you're a better person when you're happy compared to if you're not happy. And it's the same with football. I'm saying that I have to go into my work every day uh, whistling uh, because I'm happy because then I'm the best version of myself. And then I know that I can give a lot to my employees and the head coach and other things. I can make them even better. But if I'm not doing that, then I'm not the best version of myself. And that also goes for the players and for the youth players. If they're not, if they're not happy and they're motivated when they come into work every day to be better and, and have that thrive and ambition to learn and, and eager, then, then you will never get the most out of it. And like you said, um, it's, it's, we're not machines anymore, but, but we are top professionals. And when you're a top professional, that also means that you're a professional when you're not playing football. So the, the 22 hours outside the football they're actually even more important. Like you mentioned, you eat, you sleep, you prepare, you're mentally, you, you train, you prep your training, you all these things. That's all the things that you need to prepare for that match uh, or for those two, two hours of training in the, in the days up to the games. Jesper, when um, you mentioned being happy in your job and you know, being the best person that you could be, Obviously, you've got to work with the resources that you've got and you know the club's financial difficulties at the time. Um, what obstacles would you say you faced uh, during your time at the club? And obviously, there was another club in the same city being quite successful. Was it, was it difficult trying to bring players through that can you know, challenge for titles with them lot kind of dominating? Uh, you know which year I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't want to mention I know, their names. I know I call them them so, lot. We don't have to talk about it. The reason why I'm thinking a little bit now, I need to say it in, a, in, a, in the most respectful way that I can do. Uh, but but I actually don't think it was difficult. But I just think we, we weren't professionals about how we were reacting and how we were running a football club. Because I still believe that with the potential Omunia had, uh, with the fan base and and... Yeah, we didn't have uh, enough uh, or the same amount of money like some of the other guys had. But, but that's what I said in the beginning. Money is not everything. Money is maybe 70% of it. Uh, the last uh, 20%, that's the knowledge, that's the right people. And then you have 10% of that. People say that's luck. I don't think it's luck. I think they come from the 
So it's actually 30% of, of knowledge and, and having the right mindset about the things. So we could compete with the things. We had the best young players. We, we could headhunt the best young players because we uh, created an environment where people wanted to come. Uh, we, we just didn't manage to take that step up to the first team to, to have that implemented in the things and having that professional mindset about running a football club and, and how that could be because there's a massive potential and, and I still believe it. Uh, fuck, uh, you have three or four teams playing in Europe every year uh, with the qualification. It's, there are so many positive uh, things to do in that country uh, and with a, such a huge potential. Uh, and, and then again, I'm coming back to the fans and the passion. Uh, that's unlike things. I, I was the head coach in the second biggest club in, in Denmark and we had a, an impressive fans car. But coming down to Omonia and seeing what was there, that opened my eyes up for something uh, that I hadn't, that I wasn't aware of happening in, in such a small island. Um, so, so that also shows the potential uh, that there is um, history. It's not something that you can buy, can go out with a money man and buy history and, and culture. That's something you create over time. Uh, that's passion that comes uh, with the fans and the hearts and everything. But that's also something that players want to be a part of. And when you have that, you already have an advantage uh, in the things by bringing in them. But, but it, it all points back to the management, to the how you run a football club. What is your mindset? Do you hire professionals that can bring added value to your club? Or do you take the, the easy solution about hiring someone because now you have a, a gap? Let's bring one in that we know and then he can run it for us. I think the biggest mistake you can, you can do in football is to hire someone just because you need a position. Don't ever do that. Hire them when you find the right people to do it. Uh, and then it's better to wait. Um, so, so I think, to answer your question, quite short, I think there were all the possibilities to be competitive uh, with the things. Uh, and, and I'm really, really happy to see that they're competitive now, uh, on, on the first team level at least. Absolutely. And that segues me to, to my next question. I don't know if Roy is going to ask the same thing, but you mentioned the youngsters that broke through, like, you know, Gagel and Loizzo and, and Johnny's, et cetera, et cetera. Um, first of all, are you surprised with how much of an impact they have made already <laughs> at such a young age? You know, Johnny's scored some vital goals, especially the back end of this season, uh, which effectively yeah. went on, you know, won us the league. Loizzo as well, some stellar performances. Gagel was unfortunate with injuries. I think he had COVID yeah. at one point, didn't he, Roy, if I'm not yeah. mistaken? Um, oh, that, and yeah. also, you know, yeah, and Kambo has been injured and Giragiris as well. He's been in and out of team, hasn't he? Um, but, you know, as I said, are you, are you surprised with how much of an impact these, these kids have made? They've been phenomenal. Yeah, yeah they have. Uh, and, and to be honest, and, and, and Andreas can, uh, can vouch for that, I, I didn't doubt it one second that those guys would, uh, would break through uh, if they got the chance because they were unique talents. Uh, and, the, and the 2003s were also where we really put our effort into to say, okay, we need to make them ready uh, for it. And then, of course, uh, Kaukulis and Jonis that are 2002s were also ready for that part in it. But, but they had something unique. They had the, the top skills. Uh, and then it was about yeah, creating a mindset on them. Uh, I still think it's a challenge for some of them to understand what it really takes uh, because uh, they haven't even reached their bar of what they can achieve and the things so uh, so that was also a huge motivation for us to see that the, the academy had had players running around there that could actually break through and and and, and come up and, and make an impact in it and, and that's also what i say they're not the only ones in cyprus there are a lot of those guys if we just create the the right environment that we create the facilities to uh, to develop them and take that responsibility uh, in the part and um yeah it just take one club to do it that's the that's the interesting part in it um 
but it yeah it has to be a an, an all in absolutely um i've got a quick question before i pass you back over to roy because i know roy's got loads of questions i'm just gonna get the cigar out when uh, i'm done no problem. um <laughs> a few months ago and roy will uh will vouch for me in this one um i did a video uh, about the performance against Olympiagos, which we lost 1-0. And uh, I was told that some of the younger players weren't behaving the right way after a defeat. Um, and I mean, laughing, joking, behaving as if like nothing had happened. And I launched one on, on YouTube. I went crazy about it. Not, not, uh, not in a rude way, but I was very vocal in my opinion. And what I basically said was, you know, you've got players like Thomas Huber-Chan that's won the Europa League. You've got Jordi Gomez that's won the FA Cup in England. You've got so many experienced heads these youngsters need to be asking questions. They need to be using these players as mentors. And we've seen the likes of, say, Ravel Morrison at Man United, who, you know, was t- touted to be one of the best ever academy prospects, you know, better than Pogba, better than Lingard. Yeah. And his career went from up there to down here. And I was just like, well, don't be like him because you've got all the tools you have to make that next step up. You just need to trust your peers, trust the older players. How important is it that Henningberg brought in, you know, these experienced heads that these youngsters can talk to from a long-term perspective. I think that's really important. Uh, and it's also about creating a balance in the team uh, for them to understand. Um, and, and then again, I also think it's important to uh, to create that mindset in the players that they understand that they play for uh, they play for something. They don't just play for themselves for a salary. They play for the guy that that uh, has the taxi on the corner. They play for the guy that has the cost of coffee down at the corner. All these things, they are fucking putting their hard-earned money to come in, and it means so much for them. So it's not just going out, and then we lose a game, and then we can go down and, and have a beer afterwards. That's not how it works, because it means a lot. And that's the privilege you have when you play in a club with a history and a culture, uh, and where you want to win. Uh, so... I'm not saying that you have to sit and, and, and cry and look like uh, the world is over because you don't have that privilege to, to do that uh, in many games in a row. But you, you do have that respect to show that, that this uh, affects you when you lose a football game because that's also about showing how much it means for yourself uh, that, you, that you play with the heart uh, for the logo and the things. But that's also the mentality you have to have in the club to, to educate them, to tell them what it means uh, for, the, for the people, uh, for the fans, for the sponsors. Uh, for their own career, uh, for that part, because sometimes uh, the scouts that are sitting and looking at them, they're not just watching the games, they're also looking at the warm-up, they're also looking at how they behave when the game is over, when they go into the dressing All these small things uh, is about uh, being a professional. And, and I think having role models in the club, people that are, that are acknowledging what it takes uh, and have something scarce on their own body to show and that that's uh, sometimes the best way to to show young people about it uh, and make them understand what it is. You can always uh, shoot a PowerPoint or, or a presentation, but sometimes you need to to see it with your own eyes, uh, what it means, or, or have someone to, to tell it to you that says, listen, I've been in the same situation like you. This is how it works. Don't make the same mistakes, etc." cetera. 100%. And to be fair, you know, they really took the initiative and they blossomed. They really have blossomed and, you know, for them to certain players to be linked with, you know, Monaco and Benfica and Club Bruges, big, big hitters uh, in Europe. You know, it's, it's incredible. That's uh, that's really nice. That's that's the best acknowledgement you can get. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Since we, we started talking about um, Kagu and Loizo and uh, 
journey mostly. Um, I'd like to hear your opinion about what would you advise them? Because obviously they're linked to some big clubs. And me as a fan, my personal opinion is that uh, they should stay for at least another year or two at Omonia now that Omonia is a, a more healthy environment. There's a manager there that trust, uh, trusts them and they're playing games. And what I'm about to say is stolen. Actually, this uh, president of this club said that it's like a fruit that you cut it when it's not ripe. You should, you know, on the tree and, and then cut it when it's the right time. So uh, what's your advice uh, to these guys as their coach a few years ago? What, what would you think? Would you, if, if it was up to you, what would you do? Um, you mean that, that I should put myself in the player's shoes right now? What would you advise them as, as, as their coach years ago? Like, for example, they give you a call and say, hey, Mr. Jim. again? Yeah, I, I would say, like Loizos calls you or Jonis calls you now and he says, Mr. Jesper, I have this offer from this team from Belgium. What would you advise them? To go now or stay a bit longer in Cyprus and, and then go? Uh, it was just, uh, I was missing a little bit because it was a uh, bad connection. But as I understood it, it was about uh, what I would suggest for the players if I was uh, in their shoes uh, to take their next steps in the things. Yeah, like what for, would you advise them? Yeah, for me, I would say that uh, when you are 17 years old, like Luis is, and, and 18 or 19, like Jonis, uh, and they're playing uh, so many games like they are uh, in a team that's uh, winning uh, and in an environment where they are right now, I wouldn't be in a hurry to to leave because now they get what's most value. That is game time because that's also where they are right now in their development phase. That is to play a lot of games to develop and they're getting that part uh, in it. So so for me, that's uh, that's important. And it's also important to say that if they go to Club Rouge now or uh, Anderlecht, it'll be difficult for them to start in. Uh, so so it, it'll be easier for them to take a year more now, be profiles uh, and then be even more ready. So that gap, so when they really want to move to a bigger club, uh, then they, they are closer to getting the, the game time also, because that is important right now uh, for them to do it. And, uh, and thank God we know that the salaries in Cyprus are good. So, so they, don't have to, they don't have to worry about moving away on that part. I don't think that's the most important thing as a football player. That is for them right now to look at their career uh, and build up their, yeah, their routine uh, in their matches. Uh, and they're getting that right now in a, in a good environment uh, and also where they have uh, a history for the club. Uh, so I would also say wait a couple of years and then go out. Uh, but then, of course, there's another angle in it. It's also the club side uh, for the upside in it because um, they can ask for more of a 17-year-old than they can when he's 20 uh, playing in this club. So uh, Luisio's value that will not continue to increase a lot because right now he's also an X-factor. He's 17 years old. Nobody knows where the level is uh, on a guy like that. Uh, but in two years, we'll have a more idea about where that would be. So that's also uh, an, it's an angle that the club has to, to look at also to, to see when they want to cash out because sometimes clubs are more willing to pay more for the X factor when they don't know how high the, the, the bar can be for a football player. Um, but for the football player's sake, I'll say that I think they're in a really good position right now. They're playing, they're in a good team uh, 
and they're, they're in the club where they've been playing the whole career. That means a lot uh, for them. Okay. Um, I was going to ask you a little bit about uh, the, the, the competition in the, in the academies at the under-21s, under-19s. Did you find that, uh, that the competition here in Cyprus is, is on a high level or were the teams that were a lot better than others? And would you change the formation of the league to make it a bit more competitive? Like, like this is a more general question, like in Cyprus. What yeah. would you have done if you could have changed something? I would say I, um, I'm a big fan of the Reserve League, that you could yeah. create something like that. Um, so I would maybe even put away the under-21 tournament and have the under-19s, because if they're good enough at the under-19, then they should be already brought up at the first team. There's no reason to wait for a 20-year-old to come up to the first team. Then it's better for him to go out and play first-team football in a, in a smaller club. Uh, and then the club should be happy that they educated a player that can that can go out and play there. But for me, I was I think it would have great value that you had a reserve league for the top teams uh, in the division, where there were no rules about uh, red cards. Uh, so if you had a red card in the in the league, he could still play in the reserve league. Uh, to keep him sharp and everything, you could bring in uh, the best 16-year-old to bring him up and play with the reserves of the first team so he could learn from them, see what it took. Um, I think that has a big value uh, where it's uh, where you actually create it for the club's sake, uh, for the development sake of the players, uh, so everybody is keeping sharp uh, as much as possible. Um, so for me, on, on my top of my lips, without being uh, 100% sure about how you do it right now, Donna, I would say a reserve league for me has a lot of value because you can you can mix the things. You can take the players that are not playing every time for the first team uh, and you can mix it with the best youth players and bring them up uh, in a top professional environment uh, and you can match them against uh, vice versa uh, on the other teams. Uh, we have great success with that right now in Denmark, for example. Are there any players from other teams that you remember who played against Tomonia uh, that stood out? Like, do you remember names of, of some players? Because I'm curious to see if any of these players are playing in the teams now. Mm. That's actually a good question. And, and on the top of my lips, I can't remember the names of them. Um, uh, ah, good question, Rod. That's I like that. Um, <laughs> Well, there won't be any from up well because none of them get into the first team, do they? Apart from now, no. <laughs> now they're broke. <laughs> they're bringing in the, all the answers. There, there, there were a couple of players down from IL, young players actually. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. a guy with curly blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. He was good, and they also had a, they also have a left-legged uh, striker winger. I think he was um, also two thousand and three. Yeah. He was also really good. Uh, he was actually a player that we were trying to get to Omonia also. Uh, okay. to, to gather there. I think that was it. Uh, not to be cocky, but I think I, I really think we had the best players uh, in the age groups that we wanted to uh, to to bring up uh, at that part at that time. Uh, yeah. But I remember I, they had a couple of good 2003s. 
Okay. Um, uh, we'll go to the next question, which is might be a little bit personal, but it's also uh, a question I'd like you to answer. As we know, you, you took over as a as the caretaker after Ivalo Petev left Omonia um, for seven games. Obviously, at that point, uh, Omonia was you know not going really for anything. They didn't have any targets. No. And a lot of people had thought that uh, you being responsible for the academy, they thought that every game you would put in a lot of youngsters. And you chose not to. And I remember I was one of the I was one of the fans thinking, I mean, if if we don't play them now, when are they going to play? There's no pressure. So it's a dual question. Why didn't you do it? And when is it the right time? Because we've got this in Cyprus as well. Um, we give the opportunity to to players when you know it's when a game is done and dusted and there's like six minutes or five minutes, sorry, stoppage time, and you're like, go play. When, when is the right time? Obviously, you said earlier that the age doesn't play such a big role. Uh, nope. age, number. But on the other hand, when is it the right time? Yeah. Um, that's two questions. So I'll start with the first one. Uh, why didn't I use more players uh, at the first team when I took over uh, on the part? Um, I could have used more uh, at that time, but I'll say the 2003s, they were not old enough to, to come in, uh, which were the best ones. Junis was injured at that time, um, one that I really liked. And then we had Carl Lambos and we had uh, another one, a right fullback that we actually brought in a little bit in it. Um, but I could have used more. Uh, and looking back, maybe I should have used more uh, young players to do it. But for me, it's also important that when you give young players the opportunity to play, it's also about giving them the opportunity to succeed. And with the team and the mentality that the club were in at that point, uh, and I'm saying that to be completely honest, it was not a really nice time to be around the first team in it because we were about to be taking over uh, from the new owner at that point. So there was a lot of insecurity in the things. Nobody knew where they were, were they going to stay or were they not going to stay. Um, so for me, bringing in young players, I don't think we were giving them a really good experience because we were bringing so you were up protecting to the team. I, now it sounds like I'm protecting my own ass saying that. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing that 100%. <laughs> but I'm, no, but I'm, I'm saying you are protecting I'm, the young, the kids. Not yeah, your, yeah, so, yeah. But yeah. when I'm saying that, then people say, ah, that's just a bad yeah. excuse. But, but for me, it is really, really important that when you bring young players up, it is about giving them the opportunity to shine. Uh, and you don't give them the opportunity to shine if you give them five minutes uh, at the end of the games because it, you know that the momentum in the games are hectic in the last five minutes. But you don't give them the opportunity either to bring them up in a team where there's no coherences, where there's no teamwork, where everybody is going in 10 different directions as it was when I took over at that point. So I don't think it was the best time to give them, but you could still have given them minutes and you could also have talked about them and saying, okay, listen, this is uh, the conditions that you're going into, guys. Take the minutes, absorb uh, and take from there. Um, so I think I'm pointing a little bit my fingers at myself at that point also because we could have we could have been done better on that part, uh, but I don't think the conditions were really good at creating an environment for them to come up and have a, a good experience that they could build up from. Uh, I think they have that now on the first team for Luisius and the guys because now they can come in and perform and be part of something that's that has momentum. Um, 
And then I'll say, if when you have the possibility to bring them in, then do it from the start because they will make mistakes. But it always takes 10, 15 minutes for young players to settle in, figuring out the pace of the game, the how is the environment, how is the, the tempo in it. Um, so you always best see them when they have a little bit chance to settle and, and settle into the game. So giving them five and 10 minutes here and there, it, it's difficult for them to go in and shine. It's also difficult when you bring in a 29-year-old for five or 10 or 15 minutes. It's always hectic. So if you have the possibility and you think you have a team that's strong enough to help and protect the young player and bring them in because they will, it's not really often they will disappoint you uh, on the long run. No doubt about that. Is that an okay answer? Perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. Still, have you got any other questions? Um, well, I've got quick fire questions, but um, I don't know if you've got any you want to ask Jesper. I know it's going to be late in Denmark and it's late in Cyprus, obviously. It's like 10 o'clock in Cyprus and it's like 9 o'clock in Denmark. I'm the only one that's like behind. I'm fine. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're still waiting for dinner? <laughs> no, I've had mine. Don't worry. So okay. I'll make sure I had it before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so go ahead, Stel, if you if you got some quick... No, have, have you got any more? Have you got any more? Have you got any more? Um, generally, okay. It's uh, I th- I think okay. I had a, a big list of questions, but like I said earlier, a lot of them were answered during the the discussion we had. So then you have one about the army. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. The the, the question was uh, obviously here in Cyprus, the the army is obligatory, so you know where it's heading. So yeah. that also plays a big role. I, I said that earlier for the pressure that. Uh, Players still from their family as well. Or oh, you should go study in England, go to the States, become a doctor, become a lawyer. So they, they also have the, the army. Yeah, I remember that. And even though some, some some athletes, they help them when when obviously they're soldiers in the army. But still, at the end of the day, when, when you have to go to the army, even if you're not doing much and then go train, and then go back to the camp. You know, it's it's not really helpful for the um, for the players to, to to become better. You know, because it's at an age when when you're from like 17, 18 till 19, 20. and those yeah, are the best years. So, yeah, yeah, that is exactly where you need to to claw into the first team and make that transition phase. Uh, that is extremely difficult. And the body as well changes. Have we seen Johnny's? Johnny's was like. Like this, yeah. Uh, I I I totally agree. I think that's a challenge. I think it's a challenge, and it's a disadvantage for for the footballers. Uh, The cocky answer would be, uh, guys, sit back and rely on the on UN because they will help you if anything happens. uh, So you don't have to to worry about that. But (laughs) but um, but 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 for sure, that is a challenge that uh, that that players in the best age and when they're actually making that transition phase from going from youth to senior uh, and not having the possibility to perform 100%, looking on it only uh, on football eyes, I think that's a huge challenge uh, and, and that's not benefiting uh, at all uh, on the things, neither mentally, physically, uh, or uh, for the integration-wise in the first team. Uh, so I, that's that's something for the technical director in the, in the CFA to see if he can... Uh, if you can make a good uh, good deal with them or something where you have... I know that there were a couple of players uh, uh, per club per year that you could 
have a little bit more out so they could participate in all the trainings, but they still had to live uh, in the base. And it's 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 difficult then. That's uh, that's another one that you need to, to to look at if they can if they really want to optimize uh, optimize sorry uh, the things uh, for that part. Uh, okay, one well, another one question is: uh, Do you still follow Omonia when you have the opportunity? Do you watch some games or? Yeah, yeah I watched it all. I watched okay, almost so- every game. Uh, uh, our first trip when I came back to Denmark with the family was also going back to Cyprus and, uh, and visiting uh, friends and, and seeing the things. So, um, yeah, Cyprus has has, has grown a, a part in not only my heart, but also uh, my, my wife and, and the girls. Uh, so, um, so, yeah, we follow it uh, and also have a lot of friends down there still that we, that we talk with and they visit us. And we're also planning to visit them again as soon as we can, can start traveling again with the, with the corona. Okay, so uh, okay, okay. Next time you come, you can give me a call. We can go for for a beer or or, or some to eat. Uh, but uh, my question was good. Yeah, uh, my question to you is: What do you think of Mr. Henningberg? Because he's um, a Scandinavian mentality, and uh, what do you think of him as, as as a manager? Obviously, the approach he has. We're putting the youngsters because I, I think that is all nice. We said all good, but I think that if it wasn't Henning Berg as a manager at Omonia, maybe there was no chance we would hear about these these youngsters. If it was someone else, I genuinely believe that ah, it's going to be another lost talent. Yeah. Mr. Berg had you know a lot of people, including myself, blame him at times that he's really conservative, he, he tactically orientated, this like stubborn philosophy, but at the same time, he's ballsy enough to put three youngsters in the team. Not three, there was a game at the beginning of the season, he put like nine or 11, or 11 players. Well, I My opinion is, my question, sorry, is what's your opinion about Mr. Henningberg? I, I think you have to uh, acknowledge the work that he's done, uh, and also uh, being one of the few guys in Cyprus that are actually yeah now taking that step and and putting his hand out and saying okay we're going to use the best players because they're good enough, and he's also coming from uh, environments and mentality where where it's not uncommon to use the young players if they have the talent uh, to do it. So I think he has created a mindset that uh, that is normal and it's acceptable to use them when they're good enough uh, on that part, and and also continuing to doing it even though they make the mistakes. Then then that you have those goggles on to still look a little bit further and say, okay, there will come mistakes from young players, but on the long run, this is a strong and good investment for us, uh, not only as me as a coach, but also for the club's uh, perspective. So uh, uh, he won the championship. So when you win, you're right. So. Uh, I think that's a, I think that summons it up. But but I like that that he's using the players. I think it would be a shame if they didn't. But one thing is that you you do it. But he also chose to do it, and that's for me the most important thing. He made an active choice in order to do that, and and I acknowledge that a lot. Okay, thank you. Still, have you got any any questions? Yeah, just 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 a quick. Just a few quickfire ones here, Jess, but I'm not going to take up too much of your time. But, um, you know, I know our listeners, our viewers are going to know a, a little bit more about these players that, that broke through the youngsters that have really, 
you know, state their claim for regular first team football on one end. If I if I drop some names in, in fact, if I said to you, um, which player do you think will, had the, the biggest sense of humour out of the youngsters that you mentioned, the ones that have broken through? Because I saw a Giragidis <laughs> title celebrations. The guy cracks me up. He's absolutely hilarious, but as are the others as well. So were there any one of them that actually stood out the most in terms of it? pranks and all that kind of stuff? Or is that something that just doesn't happen in Cyprus? I know. I said uh, Luisio was uh, was a fun was a fun guy to have around uh, in the team. Uh-huh. Uh, it was it was never boring when he was uh, having an individual training with him or he was coming up. Uh, he had uh, he had humor. Uh, he could laugh at others, but he could also laugh at himself. I think that's a that's a big uh, skill. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, what about um, little things? You know, was Johnny's always quiet because he always seems like a, a down to earth lad? Yeah, he is. Uh, I think he's humble. I think he comes from mm-hmm. humble uh, terms, also where, where where you work hard and you don't ask a lot of questions, but you but you do what is expected from you. Uh, and I have a tremendous respect from him uh, and also his dad. Uh, and I'm I'm so happy that he's succeeding and and he's coming through. That's uh, uh, that's that's so important on on all the levels. But he is he is a quiet guy, or at least he was at that point. But uh, sometimes that's also okay when the boots uh, are doing all the talking. Mm-hmm. And what about players that are a little bit got into got into a bit of trouble that maybe you had to uh, give them a slap on the wrist? Yeah, that would be all of them, I think. <laughs> Come, coming as a Scandinavian, uh, that was a massive task. <laughs> really, was it because, uh, uh, is, is it because of the culture? Or do you think that maybe Cypriot lads like Roy over here? You know, they're kind of tuned a different way. You know, <laughs> I, th- I think it's I think it's a culture also because I came from a different environment. I remember when when I started, uh, I was a uh, Having one-to-one sessions with all the coaches, and I invited them in for a for a, a meeting where we talked about a SWOT analysis and going through that and to hear where, where their thoughts were. And and I think I invited uh, and interviewed fifteen uh, coaches, and there was only three of them that came on time. Uh, and I'm also an old military guy from Denmark, and if there's one thing I learned, that is that you're on time. And it was like that mentality. I was like, what what the fuck is happening here? Uh, and that was the same with the trainings at Elias Pulas. Ah, if, if we start at five o'clock, it could be five fifteen, five twenty before we start. It's like so. So that mentality was like, what, what, what's happening here? So that was one of the first time I took my my kill bill sword and I just started uh, swinging <laughs> around and uh, getting people in in line. So, uh, so again, we had some some common rules and the things. So, um, so I think it's a mentality. I don't think they did it because uh, they wanted to be disrespectful or because they didn't want to. That was just the mentality that, uh, yeah. We'll make it. No, 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 no stress. If you're late 20 minutes, you're on time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I remember yeah. Andres Meliodis, he was calming me down a lot of the time saying, don't worry, yes, but don't worry. Just, just, uh, they will come, they will come. And, uh, yeah. Brilliant. Well, Jesper, thank you so much for your time, man. Like, you know, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking. This is the second time you and I have spoken, you know, on a podcast. And it feels like I've known you for a long time. You know, you and I, we, we, we talk and we talk and we talk. And like I said, I lose track of time, but. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I uh, no worries. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. I wish you all the success in the coming season for um, your club. And um, fingers crossed we can have you back on the show. Maybe we can uh, get a few others, others that you may have worked with. We'll try and find some special guests and have you on as well. You can reminisce about your time at Omonia. Uh, definitely. No worries. Guys, it's been a pleasure. So continue the good work and, and good luck uh, for the next Thank coming season. Do, do you remember uh, any songs or any chants that Omonia fans used to sing or still sing, should I say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still do that. Yeah.
I can actually remember a lot of them. But, but that's also because I like the passion when they were there uh, and they were supporting the, the team. Uh, so that, that was uh, that was always good. And what I liked was that it wasn't only uh, Gate 9 that was singing. It was also the guys on the on the other sides. Uh, I think that's that says a lot about the culture. Absolutely, yeah. Well, boys and girls, Gobelia, that was Jesper Fredberg. Thank you, Jesper, for joining us. Roy, do you want to tell people your your Instagram or do you want to drop anything else while you're here? Actually, I want to tell Jesper thanks as well. I want him uh, to send a message to the Omonia fans, like a message to the Omonia fans from you before before we say our goodbyes. I'm, I'm just uh, grateful for being part of a, a club that uh, has such a huge uh, culture and passion uh, for the things and also for the way they uh, they uh, opened their arms uh, for the ideas that I came with uh, and acknowledging it also uh, in difficult times uh, as it was. I have a tremendous respect for that. So uh, yeah, the best wishes for all those guys uh, and I cheer for you guys uh, for the next coming season also. Cheers, mate. Well, again, thank you on behalf of every Monia fan. You 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 laid the groundwork for what the club is doing at the moment, and um, yeah, we we appreciate everything that you've done, your hard work, and I'm sure it's been well worth it for you as well. So. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> no worries. That's that's for sure. It's been a tremendous thing. And you can always blame me, Roy, for for taking the time away from the wife now. So uh, I'm too far away, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> nice, take care. Roy, Pleasure, come on, yeah. wrap it up. Wrap it up. Cheers, Jess. So Thank you, mate. Take care. Take care. Shut up. Thank you. All right. Roy, wrap it up, my friend. Come on. Alright, Shilakamu, Omonia, Laos, Prodasilva. <laughs>